Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Today on CityCast Madison. It's Thursday, so we're dishing on Madison's food and drink scene. Ale Asylum was once the largest craft brewery in Madison until it closed its doors last year. But its flagship American Pale Ale Hopalicious has been granted asylum thanks to another Madison craft brewery. And that's not the only local favorite that Carbon 4 Brewing is bringing back. Bianca Martin gets the details from co-founder Ryan Koga. He was at the brewery, so yes, the sounds you hear are beer making in action. Hope you don't mind. It's Thursday, June 1st, and here's what Madison's talking about. Hi, Ryan. Hello, Bianca. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well. It's not every day I get to talk to some of my favorite, well, one of my <laughs> favorite brew makers. <laughs> so exciting stuff. You now brew Hopalicious, the classic Madison Hoppy IPA, originally from mm-hmm. Ale Asylum, RIP. Why take that on? I mean, it, it was equally a good business decision. And the fact that that was such a Madison staple and a Madison brand. They're one of the the OG trailblazers for craft brewing in the Madison scene. And, you know, they blazed the, the way for us. Uh, you know, we moved into their original facility. We're still using their original brew house. We even have some of their um, their team is now on our team. So there's just nice. a lot of history there. So there was a lot of cool, like kind of Disney story background. But, you know, beyond that, it was a business decision, too, because, you know, craft beers has always gone through its ups and downs, its waves and swells. And so when we opened our doors, there wasn't even 2000 breweries in the U S that was back in 2012. And now there's over 9,000. So competition is different. Market forces are different. So, you know, we reached the point where there are places to take fantasy factory more to take carbon four beer beyond, but I don't think it makes sense for any brewery to really go past your surrounding States anymore. There's so many breweries and everything's getting hyper local and, and very like small, brew pub focus. That's where most of the growth has been in the past five years. So for us, knowing that K4 probably is not going to grow too much further just naturally, we needed to make sure that our tanks were full and that our our revenue uh, model as a business, our financial model was uh, solvent. So starting about uh, two years ago, two, two and a half years ago, we started taking on some contract brewing clients and that has just really expanded. And so last year, uh, by the end of summer, fall, you know, we're looking at the next year, trying to project out our financials and revenue models and saying, you know, hey, we really need this much more. We need to do this. We need to look at that. We need to look at, you know, soda stuff and NA and uh, CBD, THC, whatever, everything else. Diversifying the portfolio. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. And and um, we were actually one of the people we had we had put in a bid when Ale Asylum was when it did its first auction. When it was just looking for a new owner, a new buyer. 
we were one of the people who put a bid on that. And so we just kind of watched that happen and happen. And then it all kind of, you know, that fell apart or didn't come to fruition for various reasons. So then we actually bought a few pieces of the equipment on the Animal Asylum auction when all the, uh, the, the physical assets were being sold. While I was picking up a tank that we had bought from the auction, I noticed that there were like 13, 14 pallets of unfilled Hopalicious 12-ounce cans pre-printed and they didn't sell in the auction. And I thought, wait a second, I wonder if we could just just brew beer for them to keep the brand going, you know, like let's get some fresh Hopalicious out there. We got space in our in our schedule. The fountain of youth. We got the canning line. Let's go. Here's the cans. Let's make it happen. And then we discovered that they were still in some, uh, they were still kind of open to selling the IP and well, ended up putting something together and kind of brought Ale Asylum home, brought Hopalicious home. If we hadn't had the support or the feeling that we would have good support for bringing it back, then we wouldn't have made the play. But I, th- I think we felt in our hearts that it was a very Madison-esque type of story. Yeah. With an excellent, you know, it's beer that shouldn't die, brands that shouldn't die mm-hmm. uh, in a city that that doesn't know how to give up ever, right? Like, it's this yeah. is a great place for hometown stories. Never can say goodbye, you know. <laughs> we even were using the same distributor as Ale Asylum was the whole time, too. So even getting the beer out in the sales channels, all that was just a very natural fit. And it's it's great to to have it uh, have it on board. It's happening, and mm-hmm. it's been almost two months since you announced the deal. Mm-hmm. Any surprises since then? Um, not like overly surprising. I mean, it's it's just been good. You know, I think if it would have fallen flat in its face, that would have been like the surprise. But the surprise, it, we can't, we had an expectation there would be a good response. There was a good response. We just relaunched Ambergeddon about a week ago. Love Ambergeddon. And watching the sales, like that thing's starting to pull really hard. So we're starting to fit in new batches of that. We have Unshadowed in the Fermenter right now. Okay. But Hefeweizen, we have Plush Crush is in the brewing schedule for like a week from now or so. So so that's coming wow. up. Um, and then... You're bringing, these are icon- iconic local beers. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll have Bedlam will come back at the end of the year. <sighs> more Bedlam. towards when it's... Um, Bedlam was the number one requested brand when we put out the feelers to you know through social media whatever else like what do you want to see thank you public yeah. <laughs> that reached out right and so <laughs> we're excited <laughs> we're excited for that one too yeah um and and uh that'll be more towards the end of the year and then we'll have octillion for Oktoberfest time okay so th- has there been any changes to the hopalicious um recipe or is it like what it was it's it's what it was we started with what it was um Mm-hmm. Uh, Joe Waltz is our quality manager and R&D director, and he he worked at Ellis Island for years and was their quality guy and, and other things. That certainly helps with continuity. Yeah, exactly. So <laughs> like when we thought we were getting close, I said, hey, Joe, do you think um, we can write that recipe up on here so I can just kind of look at it? And he's like, oh, it's already on the server. I already did it, you know? <laughs> And so you said that Ale Asylum blazed a trail for you. Mm-hmm. What did you learn from them, like specifically that you're carrying on? Like you're talking about you have some of the, you know, equipment. You've got some yeah. of the um, staff. You're keeping the recipes. Are there other things that you're carrying on that was um, Ale Asylum? I, you know, in, in, the, in talking with Dean and Otto and everyone else kind of involved there, just there was just this talk about quality. Quality, quality, quality. Dean Coffey, the co-founder. Correct. Yep. There wasn't anything that's been done here that's just been shoot from the hip. Just, you know, this is, oh, this is my ego. I I know what's best for their brand. Our whole point was to just respect it. Just respect what it was. It kicked ass on its own. We didn't need to do anything but not mess it up, you know, to, yeah. to bring it back, to respect it, keep it there. 
probably the main hurdle we've been going through with Hopalicious is it's got a lot of delicious cascade dry hopping in it, but then all of a sudden you start to see this thing called hop creep. So we're trying to deal with hop creep and uh, try to bring back the original spirit and make sure that things are delicious. But um, yeah, well, innovation and, and finding learning new things is always going to be a part of it and figuring yeah. out how to make it good. But it's so lovely to hear you're trying to honor the spirit of what it, Hoplicious has been. And I can't help but think of it's like passing on the way of the Jedi, like upholding the Jedi order. Yeah. No, that's, exa- that's exactly it. It does nail on the head. The way I really thought about it when we were talking with Dean and Otto was, for me, beer, the most important function beer performs is to bring people together, to give somebody a reason to celebrate or be a part of that. So for many people, for 17 years, you know, um, Ale Asylum was, was the way that they celebrated. It was the beer. It was a part of their life. They made it a part of their life story, a part of their habits. And so all we're trying to do is to say... We got you guys, you know, like if you if that was a part of you and then that went away now, we're just trying to bring it back and bring it back to right where it was. You know, like we totally it helps us as a business, you know, be viable for sure. But then there is that part of it. And that's where the respect and the carrying the torch, the passing on of the Jedi training is. That's exactly what it is. Also, want to point out, you know, y'all are no spring chickens. You've been in the game for a decade now, so you have yep. that. We've got to talk about Carbon Four and some of the other stuff you have. And before mm-hmm. I talk about the other beers, and you mentioned how you guys are diversifying your portfolio with CBD drinks and sodas and that sort of thing, got to talk about your labels. Your can <laughs> art is out of yeah. this world. <laughs> got gun toting cats yeah. riding fire breathing unicorns, for example, on Fantasy Factory. How did that come about? Um, that's a great question. Uh, our artist is Jason Heiser. He's done video game design and a lot of uh, digital art. Um, I was going to say, it's like this pixelated video game rainbow landscape, yeah. but almost like 1776 Revolutionary War vibes. Like there's exactly. Yeah. <laughs> if you powerful. If you've seen all the um, like fantastical presidential portraits, you know, with like Reagan riding a raptor with a Mac 10 and like, you know, Kennedy riding a robot horse on the moon. That's all Jason's art. And so he's, he's had his art like stolen from him quite a bit, you know, copied and whatever else. So the one that's the fantasy factory image is actually a painting he did called welcome to the internet. I think when he, when he painted it, he was, he was working as an overnight security guard. So he would bring his, like his, his, uh, his MacBook to work and draw while he was being a security guard. And, um, that one, I think he just took like the top 10 trending things on the um, internet and saw if he could put them all into one cohesive painting. And he um, did it. I, it's- yeah, right. Right. So <laughs> so when we were when we knew we had to put our beer into packaging, uh, we were looking for all kinds of stuff. We had a couple designs that we got pretty close to being finished and then just said, you know what? That's not good enough. That's not good enough. And so one night late, I was uh, Googling like laser kitties or whatever it was. And I, I, I found the welcome to the Internet thing. And I thought, oh, my, my my brain melted, you know, like that was it. That was it. So I brought it into my partners the next day and everybody agreed. You're just going to roll on over that you were Googling laser kitties. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I'll just put it out there. <laughs> yeah, I was looking for anything there. for any kind of inspiration, any kind of whatever. I love it. I love it. Because we kept talking about this feel and this colors and this, this and this, that, but we couldn't like bring it all together cohesively. And that was the first time I thought, 
yeah, that's it. It's bright. It's crazy, but it makes sense somehow. Yeah, that was a great choice. And I wanted to talk about quickly beer names because like, oh, it seems it. like, go for it. is it an arms race to come up with new names? Like they get wild, like Terror of Demons, Threat Level. Yeah, <laughs> yeah we have we have a list. We have a long list of things, things that will probably never see the light of day uh, that are just really stupid. But if oh, my gosh, I want to see that list. If we hear something or think of something or somebody says something stupid, we add it to the list. And then sometimes the list is just a place of inspiration that takes us somewhere else. So when we launched, we knew Night Call and Block Party. Fantasy Factory, we actually figured out when we brewed it. We That's when we came up with that name. Uh, we used to call our warehouse like Fantasy Factory. And then we thought, oh, this is a cool name and it goes with the image and let's just do this. So that that was that. That's a great name. Can you share a couple of the failed names? Uh Probably the one that we always laugh about inside is, is Dog Dick Red, but that's pretty gross. So <laughs> okay, ten four. <laughs> there's other ones like Blumpkin. There's just a lot of like fart and poop jokes. Probably are the worst ones. Got it. Um, now that it's finally getting warm, like what are some of your favorite summer beers? Um, Pilsners, fruited sour, uh, maybe like a really light crisp IPA or APA. I actually have been really digging on Hopalicious, not just because we bought it, but... Hey, that's righteous. And I, I also saw um, that you guys switched from bottles to cans, which feels like it would make, you know, paddling trips easier. Is that why you, you did it. that? Yeah, there was... So we started off in the bottles, and that was fine. We used to send tankers. When we first started doing cans, a fantasy factory would send it up in a tanker up to Stevens Point to get canned. And then when that gained some traction, we said, okay, let's get our, let's see if we can just get our own small canning machine. And we did, we added it to our line and it would do about 38 to 40 cans a minute, maybe. And then at the beginning of last year, we kind of saw the writing on the wall that if we ever wanted to automate anything, because we were hand packing everything, everything, hand depal, hand everything, 12 packs, 24 packs, six pack, everything you had from us for like the last nine years has been completely hand packed. Well, thank you, but right, ain't nobody got time for that. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, so we knew we wanted to add some automation, but we neither had the bankroll nor the square footage to accommodate both cans and bottles for automation because they are not the same machinery. So we decided to go with cans because it seemed like the industry was going there anyway. Cans, uh, unlike bottles, totally seal out oxygen, um, you know, where bottle caps can actually have some ingress of air. And then there are places that cans can go that bottles can't. Stadiums, parks, beaches, things like that. There's plenty of places bottles cannot go. So we thought, you know what? If we have to commit to one or the other, let's let's commit to the one that doesn't shut down any sales channel in the future that we might want to pursue. That makes good sense. And I, and I already had like 15, 16 years of dealing with broken glass shards on packaging lines, <laughs> and I had enough of that crap. So can I mean, cans cans have their own problems for sure. But we're, we're learning those problems now. <laughs> we're getting better at them. Yeah. Getting better at, at reducing them. Totally. Well, I feel like, you know, I should mention you guys also have hard seltzers on your menu, doing Wisco Pop, CBD drinks, lots of things. Um, you have a tap room with events. Uh, the tap room's over by the airport. And, you know, trivia on Thursdays, I hear. And you yes. do a lot of pop up, pop up events. <laughs> <laughs> like yeah. the parks on tap fundraisers yeah. where you can drink in the park and have a nice time. Mm -hmm. So you're you're up to so much. Where do you want you 
to grow the business? Like what's next looking to the future? You, t- you got Hopalicious. Um, I heard you say local earlier, you know, focusing on the local scene. What's next? Yeah, I think I think for us, the next thing is probably restabilizing our taproom business. I think Madison's been pretty slow compared to, to many areas, not only across Wisconsin, but across like many different metro areas across, I think, the nation. Madison's been relatively slow to, you know, go back out to bars, restaurants, you know, tap rooms, but um, kind of getting getting the life, the pulse back into our tap room solidly is is a is a number one focus for us. Trying to rebuild our, our food options and our menus because of that um, is a big part of it. We had uh, Patty's Patty's was in residence as a food truck all winter, and that was fantastic because they're really good food. But they, they come in now and they, they set up every Thursday uh, for trivia night, which is great. We have pizzas now, so we get these personal pizzas from Sal's Tomato Pies. So we can, like, make pizza. So we're trying to, we're trying to rebuild it. You know, before COVID, we had a full kitchen staff, or which is only, like, two or three people. But it was, it was a lot of work, and we put out a lot of good food over the years, things that we're really proud of. But that was a lot, a lot of work over time. And without as much foot traffic coming back in, we just can't justify – kind of really doubling down on the on the kitchen part. Sure. So we're trying to do what we can to rebuild so we're a food option again. You know, we vote, we keep putting money into the patio to make it more welcoming, new furniture, new concrete, new whatever, whatever, you know, all the stuff. Trying to have some events here. So that's part number one. Well, judging by the cans uh, or the Fantasy Factory can at the very least, I'm sure it's a party. Um, yeah. Yeah, it's always a party. <laughs> it's so exciting to hear about what what you're up to, and you know, holding on to the force and passing yeah. and taking it forward. Um, Ryan, right. thank you so much for joining us and telling us what what you've been up to at Carbon Four. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. That was Ryan Koga, co-founder of Carbon Four Brewing, speaking with CityCast Madison host Bianca Martin. You can find Carbon 4 at the Lower Yahara River Trail Trailhead this Saturday afternoon. It's a benefit for Dane County Parks. And here's what else Madison's talking about. No bull, the cows on the concourse returns to the Capitol Square this Saturday, June 3rd, during the Dane County Farmer's Market. The annual tradition is a chance to meet some local dairy cows in a downtown setting. It's totally free, and of course there will be hot grilled cheese sandwiches. This year's theme is Who Let the Cows Out? Is anyone else feeling some deja vu? In other news, the feds want some of their money back. Wisconsin Governor Tony Evers is preparing to return close to a half a billion dollars in unspent pandemic aid to the U.S. Treasury. According to the Milwaukee Journal Sentinel, that is part of the deal between President Joe Biden and House Speaker Kevin McCarthy to raise the nation's debt ceiling. The agreement calls for clawing back $30 billion in pandemic relief for states and local governments previously allocated by Congress. That's all for today here on CityCast Madison. I'm Dylan Brogan. If you enjoyed the show, why not share this podcast with someone who isn't playing chicken with the full faith and credit of the U.S. government? We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around the city. See you then. Who let the cows out? Moo, moo, moo.
There's a great documentary about that whole song. It turns out like seven people wrote it independently of each other over 30 years. It's crazy. Like they just keep going back. It's like, oh, you thought it was written in 1999. Well, it's actually 1993. Well, actually it was 1972. It's pretty cool.